0: It's the the M&S Monthly monthly Podcast Show for everything business and entrepreneurship and the best best business business tips and secrets
1: with your hosts, Michael and Simon. And welcome to the M&S Monthly Podcast Show. We are not just any old show. This is the monthly M&S Podcast Show. And today, we're just going to have a quick recap on what we've spoken about so far in the last couple of months. So the first thing we started talking about was planning. Then we went into creating the positive energy that enables you to think more clearly. Then we spoke about the cycle of productivity, where we create the plan, then we get on and do the plan, and so forth. Then we spoke about mentoring versus coaching. What is next? What is the next part of this
0: conversation, Simon? Well, I think we should talk about vision, Michael. Um, In in some cases, people would like us to talk about vision first because there's an argument to say without vision, without a clear vision of where you want to go in life, um, why are you setting goals? Because your goals might be taking you off on a tangent but i just think it's very nice to be talking about vision now you know we're in the spring the sun is out uh we're coming through covid we've got through the next phase and it's all looking good the pubs were open yesterday michael so that's got to be a good thing <laughs> and i think now is a really good time with a more positive outlook ahead of us to be thinking about vision
1: and entrepreneurs typically are very visionary sort of people and entrepreneurs have an ability to see something before it's already been built. So let's talk about vision exactly. And what is
0: vision? Well, for me, vision is about having a very clear picture of where you want your life or your business to be Over a given period of time. So it's looking ahead. It could be one year, three years, five years, 10 years. Um, But, you know, when just the word vision, you know, vision relates to our eyesight and seeing clearly and seeing clearly the way ahead. And so for me, having a vision for your life is about being really clear about where you want to be in, let's say, five or ten years' time, and what you want your life to be like, how you want to be thinking, feeling, behaving, what you want to be experiencing in your life, um, and what you want to be achieving. When you have a clear vision,
1: you have a real sense of purpose. So how does that vision and that sense of purpose relate to
0: goal setting? Yes, when you have a vision, you're absolutely right in what you've just said. It gives people a really strong sense of purpose. And it's at that point then that you can sit down and and really consider, okay, I want to be here in, say, five years' time, and therefore this is my purpose. This is what I'm aiming for. Now, what is the route map to that vision? What is the journey I want to go on? And like any journey, when you think about the road ahead, the best way to get from A to B is to plan it, is to create some goals, milestones, key objectives that you want to achieve along that journey. Because that way, when you have those milestones and you achieve them, you know that you're on track towards your vision. And when you don't achieve them, you're off track and you can make course corrections, you can make adjustments, you can reconsider uh, the vision, you know, because things can change in life sometimes. But I think the art to goal setting and having very clear goals begins with having that clear vision, very much like Stephen Covey once wrote, begin with the end in mind. That's exactly what I was going to say. And actually, that is the first
1: thing you need to get clear in your mind. Know where you're going, because if you know and you can define where you're going, I think you'll hit the destination every single time. It's similar to when you're going on holiday. You have an ideal place to go. You have an ideal beach that you want to be sitting on and the type of hotel And then you draw a map, your line back from that point, that destination. So you include things like booking the flight, booking your airport parking, knowing how you're going to get to the airport, knowing how you're going to transfer to your ideal location, your ideal destination. So I do think vision is the starting point. And like you mentioned, Stephen Covey says, start with the end in mind.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but the exciting thing about having a really clear vision for your life is that, you know, as you said earlier, not only do you have that strong sense of purpose then, but for me, when I have that vision and I bring that vision to mind and I bring that vision to life, it makes my life exciting You know, I'm fulfilled. I've got something to aim for. And I think for all of us as entrepreneurs, the clearer the vision we can create, the more determined we become to get there. How far out does your vision sit in terms of years? Well, I remember one year, this is a few years ago now, When I sat down with my daughters, and it was in December, it was a really cold, miserable day in December, and we'd been out shopping, and we bought all these magazines, Michael, lots of different magazines, you know, from holiday brochures to – I bought a a magazine on yachts and cars, and the girls bought all sorts of, uh, you know, girly magazines. They were in their early teens then. And we spent the whole day – um, I'd bought this massive piece of card and we spent the whole day going through these magazines and cutting out pictures. And then we put all the pictures on this board and then we decided what year we were going to bring that picture to life. And um, the only one I looked back, this this it was 10 years. We did a 10 year vision board. The only one I didn't achieve, which is on that board, was a picture of this probably 80 million pound yacht <laughs>
1: why do you put an 80 million pound yacht on your vision board
0: oh I just love the idea of being on a yacht sailing around the Caribbean sailing around the Mediterranean I just it's just one of those things that I am a sailor I've always had good sea legs you know when I've done a cruise when I've you know, I live by the sea, so I really enjoy the sea and um, travelling on it. So I just had this picture in my head of of um, wanting this yacht. In fact, I remember we uh, the year the following year we went to Puerto Banus down in Spain, and uh, they there was a yacht for sale down there. And whilst it was way outside of my league, Michael. I booked to go and have a viewing, you know, with a view to buying it, even though I couldn't afford it. But it gave me the chance to actually walk around it and feel it and touch it and smell it. And, And that's what they say about vision. Really bring your vision to life. The more you bring it to life, the greater the chance of it happening. You know, whilst that one hasn't happened for me yet, you know, if I was to do another vision board, then I would put a picture of a yacht on it, definitely. So if
1: you had an image of a yacht, what was stopping you getting that yacht, that colour
0: and that shape? That's a great question. What was stopping me? I think I just got distracted with, with all the other things uh, in life. Um. Uh, You know when I look back at that vision board there were so many really good things on there trip to New York to Disney um I wanted to go across to the eastern part of the world and you and I did a trip to Thailand uh and there were lots of things on that board that I look back on you know with fondness that that of that exercise that I did with the girls we went to Disney we went to all sorts of places and um you know, I I probably settled for that. uh, And I think that's what can happen sometimes. You know, we have a vision, um, but we can settle for somewhere before that vision. You know, it's a bit like um, who wants to be a millionaire? You might have a vision of winning who wants to be a millionaire. But when you get to that half a million pound question and you get it right, the temptation to settle for the half a million and not risk the next question to win the million. It's huge. You know, and I think in life, lots of people settle for good as opposed to going for great.
1: So what was the point of putting the yacht on your picture board if you didn't
0: think it was going to become a reality? Because... We all have dreams, Michael, and I think a part of our vision is to make sure that, uh, well, part of our vision is to include our dreams, yeah? But and dreams
1: don't always come true,
0: no, as the
1: yacht. as the yacht
0: example. No, they don't, but it's like the old adage, if you aim for the stars, you might reach the moon, you know, and the moon is good enough. Um, so uh, anyway, Hey, I haven't written it off yet. So you can hold me to account over the next few years. And when we're sat on that yacht in the Caribbean, I'll remind you of this conversation.
1: <laughs> so if I take you back to the time that you did the vision board with your daughters,
0: yeah, how many
1: of the images have actually materialized? Because that's what's really important. How mm. much of your vision has become Reality.
0: Yeah, I think we had about twenty pictures on that vision board, and it was over. I don't know why it was about seven or eight years, but it just seemed to be. I think it took the girls up to university, and and there were pictures of them with the university hat on. You know, and they both made it to university, which is amazing. So I think there were about twenty pictures on there, and as I say, the only one that uh, is still yet to be achieved is the yacht. Everything else we could tick off. And it's really incredible when you look back, you know, because like you said earlier in the show, um, you have to think about it before it materializes. As a man thinketh, so he becomes. And it's our thoughts when they're generated in a certain way and they're directed and they're Put onto a vision board or they're described in detail so that we take those thoughts and turn them into a vision that we are creators. You know, God created us in his image. So we can create in the same way. We can turn a vision into reality
1: by implementing strong, desired thoughts. So, what comes first, the thoughts or the
0: vision? the thought. I would argue that what comes first is the thought because, you know, especially for most of us as entrepreneurs, I don't know about you, Michael, but my brain doesn't ever seem to stop. The amount of thoughts that are sparking away up in this head is incredible. And we have to have the discipline and the skill in a way to be able to harness those thoughts You know, to be able to get rid of those ones that, you know, come in and go out and just let them pass. And But then take those other thoughts that we think, ah, I really like that thought. I don't know where that came from, (laughs) but I'm going to harness that. And then turn that thought into that vision.
1: How do you capture the thoughts when so many thoughts are coming through your mind at any given time?
0: There's only one way to do that, and that's write it down. For me, anyway, you know, I I, I think we've talked about this on a previous show, but our memories are not that great. I can have a thought at two o'clock in the morning and wake up in the morning at, say, six o'clock, seven o'clock. And that thought's gone. And I'm I'm really struggling to try and recollect what was that brilliant thought that I had at 2 a.m. So if I've got a notepad or my phone next to me, then I can just jot that thought down and look at it in the morning. And it's like, oh, wow, you know that I've captured that thought. It's a bit like, you know, thoughts are like butterflies. They're floating around all over the place. We have to capture them. We need that net to be able to capture that particular thought. And the only way to do that, in my experience, is to find a way of recording it, writing it down. So how do you avoid being
1: overwhelmed by all your thoughts in the pursuit of your vision?
0: Yes, that's a really good question. Um, I think it's about making sure that in amongst all that busyness in our mind is to, to build in the time, good quality time, to meditate, to relax, and to rest, to start to almost calm our mind down. And this is something that you and I, Michael, have learned a lot about, you know, to take time out. And in fact, to take time away from the environment that you're normally in is incredibly um, it enables you to be so much more creative. And to, to really calm those thoughts down so that you can collect them. What do and, you mean? Well, I mean, you know, um, the obvious one is to to go somewhere and lie on a beach and relax. And it's amazing then how, you know, you can find yourself calming down. I used to find that when I went away on holiday, it took me the first two or three days at least. And I could almost feel my body uncoiling you know winding down relaxing and then the creativity of my mind would start you know because I've removed all the busy clutter and uh, muggled thoughts if you like from my so how does
1: that align with your vision because I'm assuming before you go away to sit on the beach for a couple of days and your creative mind starts uh, generating ideas and thoughts and so forth but if you've already had the vision, how do your thoughts align with your
0: overall vision of where you're going? Yeah, well, I've, to be honest with you, Michael, I, find, I found myself sometimes rewriting that, that vision a little bit when I've had the time to relax. Because in the busyness of the world around me, you know, I can, I can put some stuff down, but that's done in a hurry. Um, and, you know, the, a vision is something you always want to revisit. You know, it's something that, uh, you know, it changes. It can change. As our life changes, it can change as well. Is your vision written down or is it visually depicted on a board? Right now, my vision is written down, um, but I do also visualize it. I look at my vision And I visualize it in my mind. And I think it's a very good exercise to to put it onto a vision board because, and I would encourage everybody to do that because when you see that vision board, you know, again, it sparks that creativity, that determination to go for it, you know, and to start traveling along that journey.
1: I think more than words do, a vision is visual naturally and words are words. And I think all too often we see many, many words. So what does the process look like for you when creating your ideal vision? You mentioned a little while ago about the vision board, but now you've mentioned how you write it down. So how important is writing it down and what's the process you go through to help our many listeners
0: today? I have a notepad, Michael, on my phone and... When I get thoughts, which I consider are visionary, I jot them down. And then I spend some time looking back, you know, maybe once a week, once a fortnight, just sitting down and just trying to accumulate, if you like, or uh, assimilate is a better word to use. Assimilate those thoughts and get some clarity from them. Yeah. And, And that helps me to piece together my vision in a way for me a vision is a bit like a jigsaw puzzle and you're putting the pieces together sometimes over a long period of time you know vision isn't necessarily something that comes to you instantly though for some people i'm sure that can be true but for me it was a case of piecing together uh, all the little pieces of the vision and then bringing it together writing it down writing out little pieces of it and then sitting down and creating one long vision statement, which covered all the different areas of my life. So I encourage people to have what I call a holistic vision. It looks at every area of our life, you know, our business, our health, our wealth, our well-being, our relationships, because they're all important. And actually, if one piece isn't quite in place, it can affect all the other pieces. And then once I have that jigsaw puzzle, that picture, then it's a case of breaking it down into goals and saying, okay, now there's a journey here. We need to plan this journey. When was the first creation of your vision? Oh, I remember being asked at the age of 16 or 17, when I first joined NatWest Bank, I was asked by my bank manager, um, boss, I'd literally only been there a few weeks, and I was asked, what are my career aspirations? And I had to write it down. What were my career aspirations? And I wasn't even decided decided then whether I was going to stay with NatWest. I did stay. I stayed for another 26 years. And I surpassed those aspirations because I said I'd like to become a bank manager. And I thought, wow, to become a bank manager, that will be amazing. And I went far past that role into senior director of NatWest before I left. And um, that was the first time, really, in the, in the working world where the concept of having a clear vision um, started to work in my mind. And I think that's sad in a way, because I think that particularly in my school days, there were no conversations in the school classroom or at any point um, in my learning journey as a young person around having a vision for your life. I think schools are better at it now, but I think there's a lot more work that could be done with children.
1: And I think that's a perfect place where we are going to take a very short break. When we come back for part two, we're going to talk about a bike ride, a journey, with our focus clearly set on the destination. So if you want to learn and hear more about our stories about vision, we will be back. Today's show has been sponsored by www.teameasycrane.co.uk. We help you build your business and grow recurring profits. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And welcome back to part two of the m and Monthly Podcast show. In part two, we are going to start talking about our vision and a journey that Simon and myself went on a number of years ago. It was a bike ride from London to Paris. It's clear we had a vision in mind some 300 miles away. We didn't expect what we faced on the journey. Very similar to what, how business is for entrepreneurs starting on their journey. So Simon,
0: tell us why we set the bike ride up in the first place. We wanted to show uh, initially that when you write something down, it could be achieved. We both had an interest in cycling. I think we're talking now about our very first trip over to Paris. And we maybe cycled a weekend together, done 50 miles, maybe done 100 miles, that kind of thing. But this involved having to really pack our bikes up because we needed to take everything with us, from tent to clothing to all sorts. So this was adding a lot of extra weight to our bikes, and it required a great deal more planning, step by step. We needed to be at certain places at certain times. We had in mind where we were going to stay, and we broke it down. The planning phase was months beforehand, actually, I remember. You know, we would talk about it every week and we would get that plan in place. And in the meantime, we were out, you know, building up our strength to be able to achieve this bike ride um, because we only had a finite amount of time to do it in, which was about a week from memory.
1: I remember day one, just like I remember my very first day in business. Day one was 25 miles from where I was Living uh, to Dover and it was into Headwind. And it was into rain. And it was extremely, extremely hard work. And there was no way I was going to fail before I'd even come out of the blocks. Although I felt like turning back, there was no turning back in my eyes because that would have been failure. I could have got a train. Or I could have got a friend to take me to Dover. But that is not the way it was. I knew in life there will be challenging times. And some days would be harder than others. And as you know, Simon, I remember it really clearly. Arriving at Dover, two hours into the trip,
0: extremely exhausted. Yes we totally underestimated the impact of the weather and it had changed there it was a very strong westerly wind so we were cycling directly into the wind it was almost a gale it was a very rough sea crossing across from Dover to Calais, and then from Calais um, we needed to get towards Dieppe. Was it Dieppe? I think um, we were, and it was extremely hilly coming out of Calais. Anybody that's done that route will know those hills are very steep and very long, and you're into a headwind, and your bike is packed up, so it's feeling like a, you know, it's a it's a real drag machine that you're trying to cycle up these hills and you're right Michael it was absolutely exhausting and in fact we didn't make our first night destination we we in the dark made it to Boulogne and managed to find this little hostel at the last minute in Boulogne and that put us about 30 miles behind our run rate on the first day knowing that the second day weather was going to be just as bad. It was a headwind, strong rain, wind, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, despite that, and despite that really difficult start, we had that vision. We had a vision of sitting underneath the Eiffel Tower with a beer in hand, celebrating our success. And I think what that does for you when you know you're behind the run rate is it. It spurs you on. So on day one, how frequent was the thought of stopping and giving in? All the time. (laughs) We we were – I think what was really helpful was that we were cycling as a pair. And I think, you know, if you're cycling as a pair or in a group, one of the most amazing things about the human psyche, if you like, is that we can spur each other on, we can support each other. When one is weak, we can be their strength and vice versa. And you and I went through lots of phases of real weakness and struggle and, oh, I can't carry on, Michael, and you would spur me on. Come on, Simon, I'm I'm feeling strong. And that strength would then swap. I would be feeling strong, you would be feeling weak, but it's that, that strength that that carried both of us through i remember the um, the
1: very steep hills on day 1 and day 2 and day 3 and similarly i remember the very tough days on year 1 year 2 year 3 in business and i do think there are some commonalities across the two failure stopping is only a failure when you stop. Certainly, like going up all those steep hills, like losing a client for no fault of your own, is very similar to going up those steep hills in terms of, this is tough. And how much more can I take? And certainly our cycle ride to Paris was only six days. And, and and definitely in business, it's not six days, it's years. And there normally is no completion. Date, time, or what you can expect at the end. We know. Our vision on the cycle ride was arriving into Paris, sitting under the Eiffel Tower with a beer in hand on white garden furniture. And I say white garden furniture on the basis that whether we did or whether we didn't, it was creating the vision of how it's going to look with that core beer in your hand. But talk about course deviation. Talk about course variation, Simon. How did we have to
0: vary our course to arrive at our destination? Well, we started um, by being behind, didn't we? We were behind our run rate, so that put additional pressure on us as to whether or not uh, we could stay on on the route that we'd planned. Maybe there was a shortcut, maybe not. Um, and we just had to keep looking at that map and deciding, is this the best route? You know, when you're on a when you're seeking the cycle routes, they're not always the straightest to the destination. Sometimes you could look at the road instead and maybe travel along the road for speed and quickness. Um, but and we we made those decisions. Regularly along the journey, didn't we? And they were mostly made based on the weather. Was it for us or against us? And when the sun finally came out, came out, and it it warmed up a bit, we found that we started to make some really good progress. But we were off track, Michael, weren't we? And we'd lost ourselves a couple of times. We weren't even sure where we were. (laughs) One evening, it was starting to get late, um, and we saw this little village ahead. It was in a valley, and we, we cycled all the way down into this village, realising that there's only one way out, which is another steep hill out, but it would be too late to go any further. But when we got there, there was a hotel in the square. That was all boarded up and closed. It was like, you know, the village of the damned, wasn't it? It was completely empty of people. It was incredible. In the centre of France somewhere, it felt like in the middle of nowhere and we just happened to you know stumble across this bar that the the owner had two rooms above that were vacant and uh, or two beds in a room that were vacant and you know it's like i don't know isn't it incredible sometimes when you have need those needs are met when you and- have a vision mm. and a
1: visualization those needs are also Met.
0: Yeah. And we had the best pizza I've ever eaten in my life in that place. (laughs) And that was your
1: reward or our reward for the previous day's cycling. But it's really quite interesting, Simon. When I routed this map from uh, London to Paris, we were going to go down on a route called the Avenue de Verts. And this route goes from Dieppe straight into Paris on a um, non-traffic road. So I, w- I've, I was told it was very picturesque, very scenic. And actually, what it turned out to be true is we wouldn't have arrived in Paris when we were destined to arrive if we had gone down the avenue de Vert. So we did make deviation and the course variation. And I have to say, very similar to what we do in business. In business and on this cycle route, it's clear that we had to go the route of least resistance to arrive at our destination. So it's so critically important to set your goals, have a plan, and just get to work one pedal a day cycle pedal per second every second that we were sitting on the bike and sure enough paris became uh, it, it came into paris came into our sights there was no doubt in my mind's eye that we were going to arrive at our final destination in enough time to get the train back to London. So what was your toughest day, Simon, on that cycle ride? My
0: toughest day, I think, was about halfway through. You struggled the first few days, and I felt real strength. I remember getting to the top of the hills and then stopping... looking down at you like half a mile behind me and I'm like waving at you, uh, champion, you know, feeling strong, but also doing it to encourage you to, to catch up with me. And we had a lot of banter about that. But then the whole thing changed uh, three days in and that was a lack of stamina on my part and a lack of really good training. Uh, I started to feel the pain. I started to struggle. And it was you arriving at the top of the hills, looking back on me, you know, with your arms in the air, champion. And but, but that's great because again, you're swapping your strengths, you're playing to your strengths, you're encouraging each other, motivating each other. And uh, there were those days were tough. They were really tough because it's the pain that you're not used to, especially when you're sat behind a desk most of the day, and all of a sudden you're out in the fresh air and you're on a bike for five or six days. But, you know, what an enjoyable experience, because you look back and it, and you know it's something that you accomplished, that you actually at times felt you weren't going to accomplish.
1: How tough was that cycle ride in terms of business? How tough is
0: business in terms of That cycle, right? Business is full of disappointments. You know, there are things that don't go right. You get a puncture, you lose your way, you're off track, you're feeling the pain, you're feeling dejected. That's what business is. And that's why so many people give up in business. They say three out of four businesses fail in their first five years. And that's in the main, I believe, because people can't take it anymore. They can't take the rejection. You know, so many people say, I don't know where my next client is going to come from. Well, that's because you're not asking for your next client. And and you'll ask and they'll say no, and you'll be dejected. But the businesses that are successful, the cycle rides that complete their destination, and, and the businesses that really make it are where the entrepreneur has, through determination, persistence, never giving up, accepted those rejections and disappointments, taken the lessons from them, and made those course variations, those course adjustments, and kept on going.
1: If we talk about the companies that are the most successful, how many do you think have a clear vision board that they're aiming for and driving for and targeting every single day
0: that they're doing their work? I would be very surprised if the figure was less than 100%. I would say that all the great companies that I've been working with over the years and supporting and coaching, they have a very clear vision statement. They have pictures on their walls. They have a set of values, and their values drive the behaviours that lead toward that vision. I think it's an essential component of business success.
1: So out of all the businesses that you know, how many of them
0: don't have a vision board? Well, I'm going to counter this with um, the difference between success and failure, Michael, because uh, when I was working in that West for a period of time, I spent seven years in the debt recovery department In the 1990s, when we were going through quite a big recession at that point. And I saw many businesses fail. And, you know, in the main, the reason why those businesses failed was because they ran out of cash, quite simply. But why did they run out of cash? When you start to look at it and analyze it, A lot of it was around the decisions that the directors and the owners were making in the lead up to the the starvation of that business from cash. And those decisions, when you look at them again, you'll see that they were decisions that weren't in support of their original vision. Maybe they would just lost sight of where they wanted to be and they'd certainly lost their creativity to address those problems and challenges that inevitably face every business. Come on, look at the last 12 months and the pandemic. No one saw that coming, but there are businesses out there that are thriving, that, that have survived even in the hospitality sector. I'm working with a company now, and they these guys are thriving because they had a very clear vision from the outset and all they saw was the need to deviate, to take that course direction um, and to almost kind of do a loop to wait for the pandemic to be able to go back to that vision. And what would that loop look like and be very clear about what they needed to do to survive?
1: So when one, one of these companies were really facing some challenging times, it's very difficult to see a very sunny outlook when doom and bust is more present in your mind's eye and on the horizon line. Talk about how many people have a bad vision of where they're going and how would you advise those people to change that vision, although it may seem dark and gloomy, to a much more positive place and state of mind of where they want
0: to go or compared to where they may be going? To me, Michael, a vision needs to have a number of ingredients. You know, it's backed up by values, and it's and it's supported by goals. If you have a really strong vision, a good vision, you'll have a good set of values and a great set of goals. If you've got a bad vision, then you probably haven't really looked at your values, and you may not even have any goals to lead towards that vision. Hence, it's becomes a bad vision. Um, so I think vision needs to be tested. It's not just your vision. You know, you if you're in business, you want all of your employees, all your directors, all your own managers, everybody, uh, your, your suppliers, to share that vision or to understand at least what is the vision, what is the direction of travel here, and get everybody to share it. And some people along the way might question it. And that's great if people question your vision because it does make you think. And maybe that vision does need to be tweaked or changed and moved over a little bit to the right or to the left. Yeah, um, but you see, when, like
1: when someone's really struggling in their business mm. uh, mentally, yeah, it's like telling someone, say, oh, get over it. That's never going to happen. Focus on the good things. But actually, there's no way you can focus on the good things because the bad things are more prevalent in your
0: mind. Yeah. I think if, if people are really struggling, and there are many people out there right now, then one of the best things that I've seen happening is the emergence of peer groups, you know, where people start to get together as entrepreneurs and business owners share ideas bounce ideas around um, challenge each other support each other Um, bring in a coach bring in a mentor bring in a group of peers around you Um, surround yourself with people that will support you when you're going through a really tough time because trying to do it on your own uh, i've found as, as you know never really worked in fact there's a number of business owners that I've worked for that have become very very successful, but they've become successful because in their background there's a bankruptcy there's a business failure you know there's and and when I asked them well what was the thing that went wrong then virtually all of them have said to me is because I didn't listen I didn't go and seek help I didn't seek advice I didn't go and get different ideas i i just didn't want people to know it was embarrassing, I was struggling, you know? And and I think sometimes we, you know, our pride perhaps gets in the way a little bit. And I would encourage people to really, you know, when you've got challenges and problems and you just can't see the way ahead, there are lots of people out there that can support you right now.
1: I think it's interesting how the similarity of what you said when we were cycling to Paris I think it would have been a lot harder to have trudged up those hills on your own, peddling up the hill into a headwind. And I think going together is better always than going on your own. So as we wrap up today's podcast, Simon, what would be your lasting last thought on what we've spoken about today? For our listeners, to take uh,
0: confidence that we understand your pain. Yes, we we do understand your pain because we're in the game with you. And we encourage you to listen to our podcasts, you know, give us feedback, chat to us. If you don't agree with something, let us know. If you do agree with it, we'd love to hear from you. I think we're building a community and we'd be delighted to encourage people to be part of that community and subscribe to this podcast Um, but also to reach out to us because you know Michael as in all things if we don't know the answers we know someone who does.
1: And there's a great saying that I live by Simon that really has stayed in my mind that I want to share with our listeners today and that is when failure may be imminent success Is just normally just around the corner and that's going to bring our podcast today to an end thank you Simon thank you to our listeners and I hope to see you back here
0: next week you've been listening to Michael and Simon don't forget to hit the subscribe button and follow us to hear the best tips and secrets